I went to somewhere of eternal torment. I was, um, I was unable to speak. I tried to, I was trying to get the Jesus prayer out because I knew there was evil trying to drag me. Hello and welcome to the Theoria Podcast. Today I speak with Zach, a cradle Orthodox who stopped going to church and really practicing around five or six years of age. But then some paranormal things started happening in his life and he realized he needed to figure out what he believed. Our conversation is engaging and I would love to hear your thoughts on it in the comments below. So you grew up in the church and there were a number of different things things that happened in your own life and in your own parish that caused uh, some difficulty with mm -hmm. with faith and life. Could you tell me about your experience growing, growing up in the church and, and where that led you and sort of how you got to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, obviously I was baptized in the faith. Um, I think my grandparents had a really large influence on that. Um, and obviously with my uncle being um, a, an Orthodox priest as well, that had some influence there. I want to say it was probably I was four or five or maybe even six years old was the last time I had really gone to church consistently. Mm. Um, and so from that point on, um, really up until recently, I had a not really an absence in complete faith, but I had a pretty broad absence um, and really didn't have much faith up until I really, when I got into high school, um, that's kind of when I started to have more questions and things like that. Um, a lot of that came from my heritage background. Um, I remember in ninth grade history, we had a project we had to do on our, um, basically on our heritage, um, and being of Eastern, um, European descent, both on my grandmother's side and my grandfather's side. My grandmother, Polish, she was raised Polish national, but later converted to Orthodox when she met my grandfather, um, my grandfather being Russian. Um, you know, we had always held on to some of our cultural beliefs and heritage, things like food and, you know, some of the general things. Um, so I remember we had to, we had to put together a project for that. And I started to grow a little bit more interested in that um, at that point. Um, and I do remember it, in ninth grade when we were learning about the Reformation and all that, I remember asking my ninth grade history teacher, so when did the Orthodox Church come about? Because I still hadn't really known a lot then. And now looking back, I really wish I would have known because I would have corrected her because she did say in the Protestant Reformation. And I'm, oh, like, wow. I'm like this now. I'm like, there's no way. So was this a Catholic school or was this a public? Public school. Oh, wow. So Orthodox yeah. came about in the Reformation. Yep. So I really wish what was I would have known that. What was your take from, from there on? It sounds like you, it was really the culture that started bringing you back to the faith. It did. So the real, real bringing point that sort of kind of got me really involved in the faith, um, 10th grade came around and my great grandmother had passed away. Um, I didn't have like a super, super strong relationship with her, but I had enough of a relationship that we knew, you know, she knew what she knew us. We loved her. She loved us kind of thing. And, um, that was the first funeral I had been to. Um, and her being Orthodox as well. That was an Orthodox funeral. And I remember 
the Trisagi in him and memory eternal just opening me up in a way I had never felt before. And so my f interest in general faith kind of grew from there. Um, and that's when things more or less like the Big Bang and evolution started to make less and less sense to me. Um, and I wasn't really sure where I was at at that point in entirety. I kind of started taking on more of an agnostic point of view while having some of those orthodox beliefs in there. I didn't accept it in its entirety. So kind of throughout that time period, I had just that general perception of things. Um, and that kind of grew and grew throughout high school. I mean, there was at times where I was pretty much believing in anything and everything, as I put it at the time, that was peaceful. That wasn't, you know, about the about the occult or anything like that. But in a lot of ways, it kind of did draw me into some of that stuff. Um, you know, my with some of my upbringing too, um, you know, my parents, my dad was in the military and my parents before we were born, me and my siblings, um, they had moved all over the country and there was a point they were living in Long Beach, California. And um, basically what had happened was there was this um, homeless lady that was in their neighborhood and my mom would help her or whatever. She'd give her food and give her cats food because she, she had cats or whatever. Um, and this was next door on a vacant property. And the, um, the landlord of that property said, we really don't want her here anymore. You know, if she comes back, please call the police to have her escorted away. Um, and the next day, as my mom put it, she was out in the yard performing some sort of witchcraft and some sort of ritual um, and from that point all the way till they moved back to Connecticut in 1996 we had all sorts of strange occurrences happening um, and as she put it then in California that th out of nowhere this large gust of wind came flew the door open flew everything open um, but the one thing that really stuck was no matter where they moved to Every single evening, I believe it was at midnight, all the fire alarms would go off simultaneously in the house every single night. Oh, my. Every single night. And so my uncle had actually done a whole house cleansing here in, the, in this house that I'm currently talking you with. In, um, and he had to physically burn crosses in the doors. Oh, yeah. So with the, with the flame to... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because it was just that strong um of a being and so i've always kind of had some of those you know i've always believed in that side of things that there is definitely evil and there is there is good but i didn't have a fully immersed you know understanding i didn't have a doctrine to follow it was a very loose interpretation um and so my mother's always been strong with that sort of stuff as well um and, you know, I, like I said, I grew into, I didn't really get into Buddhism. I had a strong interest in it. Um, but I would even go as far to say I had belief in, in fictional religions. Um, Avatar, the last airbender at 100%, you know, believed in all those balances in that way. Um, even Star Wars, I, like I had a strong belief 
in that aspect of the force in the very agnostic point of view believing that there is something but i didn't know what it was kind of thing i didn't know the divine power um you know crystals dream catchers all, all that kind of stuff and i i remember even up until i want to say 11th grade i was very into native american um in influence in general as we had learned that in again in american history um at the time I thought I had a very strong connection to it and we don't really even have that much percentage of native in us but I remember watching bury my heart at wounded knee and th some of those scenes were just very they were very impactful um, and so when I kinda got out of high school I had I mean I had attended a few liturgy services and a few vespers but it didn't really have much significant meaning at the time um, Basically, I had kind of um, gone through, and like I said, did have that some of that belief. Um, and one thing that always sticks with me was with my grandmother. Um, every, because she pretty much lived with us. Um, she she li lived with us pretty much my whole life. So she was basically like a second mother to me and my brothers. Um, and I remember every Pascha she would be teach she would always teach me you know what we say and how we say it and I do remember there was one year I started to learn some of the Russian of it and the look and astounding joy on her face is just it, w it was priceless to to have that connection with her so I really did have that strong connection to Pascha um, and so then kind of from there um, you know, I kept I kept with that. I, I was learning about everything. I really was. And I would say I really did have strong Orthodox beliefs, but I couldn't drop all my other beliefs. Um, so then when I got out of high school, I, start, I took my EMT class pretty much immediately. I was I was a very I was very disgruntled. I, I really wasn't that great in school. So I really wanted to just get out in the workforce and I didn't want to have to go and get my degree and and do anything like that. So I went and I started my EMT. And I kind of barely got bypassing, um, and the time came up for my testing, and I didn't do so well. Um, I got very discouraged, and after I got through that, um, you know, my grandmother had been in and out of the hospital numerous times, and there was one incident that basically that, that was kind of her downfall in, um, was that 2018? Um, that was her start of decline in health. And from that, from that, there was a lot to kind of um, take from that, you know. So we got through that year and then I decided I, reto I retook my EMT course. And again, in the middle of retaking my course, um, my grandfather passed away. And one of the this is one of the stories I actually haven't shared with many others. Um, I don't even know if I've actually shared it with my uncle. I'll definitely have to because he's very strongly connected in this story. You know, we were in the hospital. My grandfather died in the hospital. And we had basically put him on end-of-life care at that point because of his worsening condition. He had a lot of health problems to begin with, and there was just nothing more that they were going to be able to do. Um... 
And I remember at the point of him no longer being verbal at that point because of the, the heavy sedation of medications, um, I, I went over into the family room and I didn't really know what else to do at the time. And like I said, I had a very strong connection at the time to other Eastern religions. So I had my headphones with me. I put on um, Tibetan bowls and I was just trying to just think clearly to try and make sense of what's going on. And I remember seeing, seeing this, the angel came down and touched him. And I remember seeing that. And then only later to come and find out, my uncle said before my grandfather, when he was still talking in the hospital bed, he said, it's okay, I see the angel. He said that to my uncle. And so for me, that was one of those things that kind of still kind of sticks with me to this day. Um, and so with that, there was another kind of another point of getting into, you know, the Orthodox funeral memory, eternal, the Trisagian hymn. It all hit me in that same, same, same way as it had with my great grandmother, you know, years prior. And for me, it brought a sincere, genuine connection into the church. And again, I still had strong interest, but I was still very hesitant. Um, I wasn't entirely sure at the time. And so I went through that whole time. Um, that was a very hard grieving process for all of us. Um, we got, we ended up getting through that. And I want to say I, I probably did attend another few liturgies, Vespers. And I had interest, but I wasn't, I wasn't entirely there. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's, the, it's like ahead. when these points of the s spiritual world breaking through sounded like with uh, the experience with this evil spirit or whatever's going on with the fire alarms, that's a point where you're kind of realizing, man, I need to figure out what's going on here. There's some sort of reality that I can no longer ignore. And the same thing with the story of the angel. And that strikes mm -hmm. me as, uh, as extremely compelling because we have points in our life lulls uh saint saproni calls them the desert you know where we're just kind of slogging through and yeah we're trying to say our prayers or we're just trying to get to the next day uh, and then we have these points of of breaking in and when we are prepared in a sense uh, to deal with these things, it's uh, it can be a great joy. So in the desert, that's sort of what we're trying to do is is prepare, prepare our hearts, prepare prepare ourselves. And I'll, I'll share you a, with you a quick story why I'm maybe thinking this way. When we were pregnant with our first child, <clears throat> we were looking into orthodoxy. This is over a decade ago, and Mallory woke up, and she the whole pregnancy she felt uh, berated by kind of like evil like there's a definitive war going on while we were looking into orthodoxy and uh she woke up and she just had these this innate motherly sense mm -hmm. like there are evil spirits here and mm -hmm. I, as the husband, was really ashamed at that point because I had no idea what to do mm -hmm. and at that point 
the story is it goes uh there are some other things that happen but i want to save our time to hear more of what you were saying but basically from that point is when i realized that i need to start praying and i need to learn how to pray so that i'm Mm -hmm. prepared for things like this for this warfare so you were going to say something else before i cut you off please well i remember um kind of on those notes i one of the prayers that still always sticks with me sticks with many of us um but even stuck with me throughout then was the jesus prayer and i remember even then believing in its true power because of the evil that did did abide i mean to put it in the easiest term i mean this has been over accumulation of years it's happened at different points i mean i i've seen literally the faces of demons face to face um very 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 scary things at the time um one of the instances that actually happened this past summer um before i started attending church regularly um which was one of the eye-opening events for me um i've actually only shared this with a few people as well so i'm very happy to be able to share it here um i remember texting this to my friend immediately as as pretty much as it had happened I had um, gone to sleep, or so I had thought, and I was, the. what had kind of happened was, from what I can recall off the top of my head, I went to somewhere of eternal torment. I was, um, I was unable to speak. I tried to, I was trying to get the Jesus prayer out because I knew there was evil trying to drag me. I remember literally pulling myself with my arms crawling across the floor in my house and this did not happen in real time but the thing that made it most alarming to me was when I finally came out of it it I wasn't asleep I was facing I was laying supine I never lay supine when I go to sleep unless I'm like in a recliner this was in my own bed and to me that was a very very scary and a very real a very real thing that had happened um and i didn't really know what to do with that at the time that was just an unreal event that had kind of occurred being physically dragged and just feeling that eternal torment feeling of being able unable to speak and to pray for the lord because I just, it was just a mind, it was just, it was unreal. It was unreal to be able to even experience it. So what was your response to that going, you know, the next few days? The next few days, um, frankly, I, I really can't remember an entirety of kind of what happened in the next few days. I would say it was in that, in that next few months that kind of brought me in. Um, I do remember when I was out of it, I do remember saying the Jesus prayer and, you know, praying before I went to, went to sleep to try and ward it off. Um, and I mean, I had done the same with other interactions. Um, I remember there was one time because for the longest time I could always feel evil around me. I could even see it as I recall. I 
I always remember there being in the corner of my eye a little black shadow that would follow me around, no matter where I was, especially in my own home. And um, I remember there was one day I was I was fed up and tired of it. And this was again before I was still fully, fully into back into the Orthodox faith. I took. I was burning sage at the time, and. I believe with a combination of the Jesus prayer and just basically trying to cast out and um, take it out of out of my house, out of the out of the land that we're on, out of you know my soul and everything. I remember quite physically because my eyes were closed. I I quite remember seeing the actual demon there, and then just vanish. Wow, and I think I don't know how you have interpreted this but it strikes me to say that in the orthodox church specifically we we talk about guardian angels mm-hmm. uh, but but many saints and elders have also spoken of uh of of demons that follow us around um from birth and sort mm-hmm. of know our tics and know what really gets us going and they in a very real sense it's sort of like the caricature of the angel and the demon on your shoulder that you see in cartoons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. It's uh, uh, I can't imagine how frightening that very, one must have been. It was very, very frightening. And you know, at the time, I think I had kind of brushed. I don't. I, w- I don't say I brushed it off, but I thought it was over. Um, there was another time um, when I was in like transcendent meditation kind of things. And there was one, only one time I attained to that level and I thought it was the best thing at the time where I, I released all thought, all everything. And I, and again, I did go somewhere. And for me at that time, it was somewhere peaceful. Um, all, and this is all I remember. It was, it was a very vivid thing anyways. I went, I went to the mountain somewhere, I'm assuming somewhere in Japan. And there was just one Buddhist monk sitting there, and that was it. I didn't see his face, nothing. And then I brought myself back out of it. So was this would this be considered astral projection? Were you into astral projection or anything like that? Or was this just sort of entering into this meditative space and, and kind of it just happened? It more or less just kind of happened. Yeah. Um, I had always tried to kind of reach that thing. And so for me, I had always thought from that point on that was like my guardian like he was my guardian mm. um whoever he was because at that time it had brought me a moment of peace and i had tried and tried and tried and i had never been able to reach that same level again so in a lot of ways it became very unreal for me um because you know at what point can i reach that again you know uh, i'm trying to think what else that was the biggest those were really the biggest kind of moments that kind of you know brought me brought me through those those sort of beliefs I mean for the longest time too you know I I've always had a very strong interest in sci-fi a lot of that kind of came about my senior year of high school um, because I took a sci-fi English course that was my English credit and it was very, very good. Um, I still 
say there's a lot I still would take from that class just in my general perception of writing and um, especially in the creative writing field. But I had always a very strong interest and a very real fear of aliens. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and I've always had a very strong interest in the paranormal in the same sense. Um, ghost hunting and all those sort of things. Um, any, any kind of phenomena I always had a very real interest in. And I think some of that might have been bringing on kind of what had occurred as well. Sure, it, because it is opening up yourself to mm -hmm. these kind of realities. I think that's one thing that we don't often think about when it is entertainment, classified as entertainment, uh, supernatural, paranormal, these sorts of things. Uh, another point I want to, to draw out is when we speak about fear of seeing a demon uh, or even experiencing the presence of a demon. You can also experience the presence of saints, angels, this sorts of stuff. This is not uncommon at all in, in orthodoxy. But there there is a level, and my hair stands on end even thinking about experiences that I've had. Um, there is a level of unnerving there's this unnerving feeling mm -hmm. it goes beyond being afraid in a way that i'm not going to pass a test you know at worry it goes beyond fear of going up a roller coaster or anything like this it even goes beyond maybe fear of of watching some of these paranormal movies there is a cold unnerving reality that hits you Mm -hmm. and is almost paralyzing. Mm -hmm. And this is why I think it's so important that we are training ourselves in prayer. And in a sense, like, obviously we don't want <laughs> to experience, I don't know, I don't want to experience the uh, this, this sort of thing, but it is important for us to remember, especially if we're going through a time of spiritual dryness, that our effort in this time of spiritual dryness really counts as double effort in a sense. Saint Sophroni said that it's like, it's like double, double effort. Uh, it's like doubling your, <laughs> your, uh, your gains, so mm -hmm. to speak. Um, but, but so, so how, how did you wind up getting to a place where you realize you need the faith you need to begin practicing this so it actually kind of goes back again to this summer um i don't remember if it was in this it might have been late spring i or no it was because it was during it was still during lent um my uncle had asked me to help out at his parish and his parish is about an hour from me so you know it's, it's a little bit of a ways you know connecticut we're very um we like things to be somewhat close, you know, 15, 20 minutes is close for us, but an hour is far away um, because the Metropolitan was coming. So, you know, they needed as much help as they could and they wanted some help down in the kitchen. And so at that point, I had kind of started to really, really grow even more of an interest. Um, and following that, I remember um, 
I remember Thomas Sunday being very um, a very touching moment for me um, at the cemetery because fortunately even with everything that's going on um, with my original family's home parish things um, th th that's one thing that's always been great is that Thomas Sunday is still always there's always clergy there to make sure to bless the graves. And I remember just it being a very real feeling in the cemetery and a very real understanding. Um, for one, um, my grandfather's name was, was Thomas. Um, and I remember, I don't remember where my uncle had gotten it, but my grandfather for the longest time, he, he was looking for a, an icon of St. Thomas for the longest time. And I want to say it was one of the times that my uncle went over Middle East, over to the Middle East. Um, he had brought one back or whatever. So that was part of that. But the, it was after my grandmother had passed away as well, which was this um, this past year in 2021. Um, so that kind of really resonated with me. And so kind of through the summer, I really started to get more core into that belief and during the summer we again went to visit my uncle's parish um, because he was celebrating his 30 years of priesthood which was a very you know significant event for him and I remember hearing the sermon it hit it just hit me in a different way it felt very real it applied very much so to me and how my life was going at that at that point and I said this is exactly what I need to do and I remember just looking up at all the iconography because his parish it's just got so much iconography it's literally covered um and i just remember seeing all of it and i just remember saying to myself i'm home i'm, I'm finally mm. home and from that point on the next sunday on i made it a mission to get back into my faith and i started attending the local parish that i do which is the same one my grandfather attended for the last four years of his life wow well, that's wonderful to to hear that, you know, you you're baptized. You have this uh, this seal of the Holy Spirit, and around five, six, maybe uh, you become less active. But then, through various means, first of all, through the culture, which often is denigrated as oh it's it's more culture than it is the faith but i i really want to draw out this point that the culture can actually bring people in and this mm -hmm. is why we have this is why you know ethnic parishes will have their greek fests or or their their other other festivals and such um so i just want to i want to draw that out for people like the culture itself is specifically if it, if you have family heritage in it it can bring you it can begin to bring you back Mm -hmm. to the faith. Uh, I do wonder myself what that looks like for us as an American culture, not really not sure how to develop an American uh, culture in, in orthodoxy, but it takes, it takes time. I've questioned so, the same things. You, yeah, so I'm curious, your current parish, is it, mm -hmm. um, is it, do you have a lot of that, the ethnic kind of cultural celebrations now? Is it more uh, on the American side? What does that look like for you? It seems, especially here on the East Coast, there's a, actually a lot less of the cultural. Um, basically, so from our original home parish, from where the split is, the other, the other parish still does the Slavic food festival. 
Um, that used to be our church bazaar back then. Um, and besides the Greeks, for the most part, it, it seems that a lot of us, especially under the OCA on the East Coast, kind of seem to be more or less just in the American side of things, unless there's a strong um, group of people that are either Russian or Greek, or um, I think there's even a Serbian parish. Um, but for the most part, it, there was a lot of Russian and Greek, but it seems now, especially on the Russian side, I don't know if the modern tensions of the war really helped the situation at all. Um, but there's not as much a lot of the cultural influence as there was. Like, we don't do bazaars, and we don't do th the same things anymore because... Unfortunately, all the people that used to be the ones that did that have passed away. Like, you know, my grandmother, she she was one of the pierogi makers for yeah. for the bazaar. That that was, you know, one of their their jobs. Yeah. So we've lost a lot of those kind of people. What is the uh, dynamic as far as uh, age dynamic at your parish? Because I know on the East Coast specifically, at least my limited experience out on the east coast there's a lot of um parishes that uh, have a, a mainly older population um we're actually a, a fairly younger parish you know we have a lot of younger families a, a lot of a lot of children in the Good. parish which is Good. great um we have very one very very large family i'm trying to think what do they have seven eight kids or okay. a very large amount yeah. of kids um so we do very, very well in those respects. Um, and plus, mm -hmm. we're in between two colleges. so we Oh, great. So we do get some of the college kids as well. Um, a lot of them end up going to the Greek parish that's actually on campus. Okay. Um, so I think a lot of that's just closeness for them, but we're only great. about 20 minutes from that campus. Sure. Um, but so we do get, we get a fair amount. As someone who's had orthodoxy in your family for a decent amount of time and having your own experience of falling away from the faith and coming back to the faith, what is your view or opinion on on converts that are coming to the faith but also uh, attempting to appropriate a, a culture that is not necessarily American? I'm not sure. That's a pretty convoluted mm -hmm. question, but I guess what I'm saying is, in some cases, we have, um, and this, you know, it can draw the otherness of the church and the different culture can draw people, just like your own culture drew you back to the faith. So I don't want to mm -hmm. denigrate that at all, but uh, I do also want to make a distinction between the culture and the faith that we hold, because <laughs> you don't have to do something a certain way in order for it to be. Mm -hmm. Orthodox, like mm -hmm. the the chanting styles between um, the Greek and the Slavic uh, churches are different, right? Yeah, I kind of take that the stance that that's kind of you know we're all we're all Orthodox, so you know whatever whatever you feel is where you're connected, you know whether that's being mm -hmm. more connected to a Greek saint and you go to a Russian church, that you know that that's totally okay, or you know the vice versa. Um, you know, I'm, re I'm definitely really all for the, although I think it's important to hold on to some of our ethnic heritage and some of our traditions, I think it needs to be done in more of a sense that it's held more on a neutral perspective and it's not drawing people away from the church because I think that's one of our, 
um, biggest challenges on the East Coast is the ethnic stig stigmatism. I mean, even since coming back into the faith, the amount of people I've you know talked to that have been in my personal circle for the past three years, some of my coworkers, they're like, oh, so you're Greek? I'm like, nope, <laughs> I'm not Greek. <laughs> You know, so it's like a yeah. whole thing you kind of have to explain that, you know, everybody yeah. can be orthodox. It doesn't, you don't have to be yeah. of a certain it's ethnicity. It's, it's crazy because I even have a friend who has his PhD in uh, biblical archaeology. And I gave a guest lecture at one of his college courses that he was teaching on uh, the Great Schism from mm -hmm. an orthodox perspective. And it came up in the question and answer section like what's the deal with like russian orthodox greek orthodox it's like denominations in orthodoxy mm -hmm. and even the my friend didn't know that we were all in communion with one another mm -hmm. so i wonder how we could get that word out there mm -hmm. <laughs> for people because uh, a lot of people think oh it's the same thing as protestantism right and i i do see a lot of that stigma you know a lot of people I've talked to besides the Roman Catholics don't even know we exist. Yeah. You know, being being in New England, you know, we're very much so rooted in a lot of Protestantism, um, a lot of um, Methodists and a lot of Congregationalists. Um, mostly being that's, you know, what the, our original founders are. I mean, there's a Congregationalist church, literally a stone throws away I could walk to from my house. Yeah. And that's been the center of the town since, you know, since the founding of the town. Um, you know, and I, I do see a very large uprising in my area of the ev evangelical Christian movement, you know, um, to put it lightly, there's literally one of these mega churches that essentially bought the old scout camp. That's not too far from me. And to me, I'm like, <laughs> well, you know, what, what's really going on there? You know? Yeah. Um, I, I just think more people need to know that, you know, everybody can be orthodox and we'll all, we'll all eventually kind of find that. Right. And you're welcome to visit. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter what your religion is or your ethnicity. The number of questions that we get on the YouTube page semi-frequently uh, on videos that we posted a couple of years ago are, uh, can I, can I visit? Am I allowed to visit? What should mm -hmm. I do if I visit? And anyone's allowed to visit. Uh, you can you can just show up. You can mm -hmm. you can email the priest and and ask. Like all of the contact information is usually on the web. And I I wonder how we can better take this into the world uh, because I know when when we became Orthodox over a, a decade ago, there was not a ton of stuff. Um, I think, uh, th the YouTube channel that I started in 2015 even, um, was one of the first kind of YouTube -y YouTube channels. Um, in addition to Steve, I think Steve Christoforou started Be The Bee around the same time. But mm -hmm. before that, there was just, uh, a few archdiocese 55 minute videos of people in front of the iconostas and, uh, it was just them talking. And it's funny mm -hmm. now because we've moved more into a, a, a talking kind of YouTube again. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's a bad thing, but but I wonder how, how to get this out into the world uh, and, and let people know that they're, they're welcome. I think really maybe just living, living the life and people being curious, oh, why are you, you know, 
why don't you want to go get ribs on Friday, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, absolutely, you know, I mean, that's kind of how I've always viewed it since coming back is, you know, obviously we've discussed in the Discord the differences, you know, in how orthodoxy has changed, like you've said, over the t- even just the past 10 years, and I think, you know, I do think some of that's internet orthodoxy kind of pushing some people away, um, and that we just have to live the life the best we can and be a good example, and people will inquire based off of us being an example. We can't be pushy, because I feel that's the same thing. That's why people tend to make fun of the you know street preachers and things like that because they're very pushy, yeah. and it's very oh, off-putting. Yeah. yeah, and and you do see that uh, online uh, in in an orthodoxy, which is unfortunate this is one of the uh, characteristics of the sectarian mindset as uh, David Dr. David Ford uh, has put it is uh, an overly uh, strict way of speaking to and about uh, people outside of the church and that's something really to guard against because the fact is they're not in the church we don't mm-hmm. have to they they're not held to the standards that we are held to in the church mm-hmm. if they are not a part of the church we cannot expect them to to act in a way as dictated by the church or the church's morality mm-hmm. it is up to us to live that out mm-hmm. and to to show them that life and since you mentioned it the discord Links in the description if you want to come in and ask questions. Uh, Zach and I are there. There are other people there. We just sort of hang out. Um, I I don't really push the Discord or any of those links, but there's a bunch of links in the description if you want to <laughs> if you want to check them out. <laughs> yeah, the Discord's a great uh, great resource. So so you are you working as an EMT now? I am currently. I'm working as an EMT um, full time. Um, I have been for the past three years or so, and it's been very, very, very daunting. Um, it's been oh, very I wearing. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine uh, the EMTs. I've known a number of EMTs, and uh, that job is not easy. No. We do inter-facility transfers, so bringing people to and from hospitals to nursing homes and vice versa, but we're also contracted for 911 services. And I think some of that is more or less where a lot of my stress comes from. Um but you know, I aspire to be in law enforcement hopefully soon. So, um, th- regardless, I've I've seen to ch- choose paths that are very quite daunting and take kind of a special kind of approach to to be in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, definitely. So, what I have a question, another question for mm-hmm. for people that have been baptized as cradle orthodox and have sort of fallen away from the faith if they are watching or listening to this and they're starting that journey what is the what is your advice that you would give to them if you have any or or thoughts about that just attend the liturgy whether it be from a parish that's not your original parish because that was one of my things um and my current parish i guess for my per my priest kind of says is kind of the norm honestly is a lot of people that come from other parishes that come in the same sort of circumstances don't want to go back to their old parish they come here um just go to a parish find find a good priest and just start start there because you're not going to find all the answers you want on the internet 
and the only way you're going to get the answers you want is in the church with a spiritual father there in my opinion there's no other way because that was one of my biggest things i was so nervous about going back like oh i'm gonna screw something up i'm gonna you know what i mean and just going it finally broke the ice and just kept me there yeah so making that first step down the journey and not staying behind the computer screen maybe uh, Mm -hmm. as would be the temptation i know for for a number of people uh and the attending the liturgy is uh, i remember Archimandrite Sergius uh, of St. Tikhon's Monastery beating this into our heads, essentially, in spirituality class. Um, the liturgy is the most important thing, mm-hmm. point blank. Um, it is how you acquire the mind of Christ. It is how you acquire this way of living the the Orthodox the Orthodox faith, and even if you're not able to commune right away, be be it uh, because you're you're nervous to go up, or be it because you are a, a, someone looking into Orthodoxy, mm-hmm. just attending, just because you cannot commune. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong, communing is important, but mm-hmm. just attending the liturgy mm-hmm. is uh, grace-filled, and it will affect you the more you go, and as you continue to go as you continue to hear the prayers offered up it will they will write themselves on your heart which i think is a beautiful beautiful thing absolutely so your did do you have siblings if you don't mind me asking i do i have two i'm the middle i have an older brother and a younger brother and actually technically i do have a half sister from my dad's first marriage but she's um she decided to not be in our lives uh, many many years ago okay um And unfortunately, we've found out she's unfortunately fallen into drug addiction and all mm, that. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. I I was wondering if your brothers had a similar experience as you, or if they continued in the faith, or if they decided not to continue at all. Um, so both of them, they've kind of, they're just kind of doing their own thing. They haven't decided to come into the faith. Okay. Um, I'm not sure that they will. Um, even my parents, um, I think my dad might be more inclined to than my mother, but, um, you know, that's just, that comes with time. Yeah. It's hard when you don't have family in the faith, Mm -hmm. um, or family that are practicing if you're cradle, um, you know, yeah, that can be a difficult situation. And a number of the, the people recently over the last couple of years, uh, that have come into the discord have been, uh, younger younger kids boys usually 16 17 that are still living at home Mm -hmm. uh, maybe even 15 and their parents don't want them to go to the liturgy and i just Mm want to take because this is also a frequent question um i think it's important to note that look you honor your parents you you are going to grow up it's Mm -hmm. hard there's Mm -hmm. there's no doubt especially when you yearn for it but just know just know that um this is sort of an aside but because it came up i i want to say you know just honor your parents and do do your prayers you can pray at home mm-hmm. our lord honors that uh, that is important as well i mean you even look at saint saint uh, mary of egypt she mm-hmm. did not receive eucharist for 40 years and mm-hmm. she just spent time repenting and then she man she's a saint and she's commemorated on some big days man <laughs> mm-hmm. oh absolutely 
you know, I always, um, one of the stories that always goes back for me was the story of St. Thecla and St. Ignatius being thrown to the lions. Mm -hmm. And with that, I mean, everything is just at God's will. It's not, it's not up, it's not directly up to us. We don't demand things. And, um, you know, as long as, you know, you pray and you do, do as you're supposed to, and like you said, honor your parents, you know, that time will come and that will, will be, will be chosen. Hmm. Was there, was there anything else that you had thought of in, in preparation that you want to share? Um, let me look through. Um, well, I mean, yeah, kind of, I guess, um, you know, I've always kind of been more of a traditional valued kind of person, even throughout high school. I really, you know, still kind of held a lot of those very hardcore traditional, really American values, you know, you know, being there for your family and, you know, sticking to that very traditional sense and you know the more and more the world has changed even over the past two years you know and how I've seen the world change I've really found that my faith kind of brings me back more center to where those beliefs kind of were to begin with and they line up perfectly in that sense yeah, and I, that's that's a real blessing too, uh, that that you found yourself. Do you know what what facilitated your holding to these traditional values, or? I I think my upbringing, honestly. Um, okay. You know. Yeah. Uh, my parents, for the most part, have been very you know very traditional. You know, my dad was a military man, um, and my mother kind of has grown into a similar similar belief system. Um, you know, that, you know, we really have to try and be a very traditional, you have to have a traditional family mindset to really keep a good family together. And, you know, even through my parents' struggles and all that, you know, um, back in 07, you know, my, my father had lost his job and all that. Um, you know, my mother had just gotten over a very bad tib-fib fracture and then we were in a car accident oh, wow. and all that. So, you know, those kind of values really you know, I think are really what helped keep us together of being there for each other. Um, even though very frustrating in my teenage years, you know, that they were very hard on me in a lot of ways, you know, it, it was really a true blessing and I understand now why. Definitely. And you hear a lot about this today, even with the traditional values and why they're so important in the midst of all this, uh, deconstruction of values of the last 50 years. It uh, we have found our ourselves, I think, in a place mm -hmm. where we are realizing that this is the only way to productively move forward is to to hold on to some of these things. Mm -hmm. uh, but Zach, thanks so much for yeah, talking with me. Absolutely. Um, if you guys have questions for Zach, if you find yourself in a similar situation, please don't hesitate to comment, uh, to reach out, um, to join the Discord. Uh, Zach will, will be there um, as he's able, uh, and, and I'll be there as well. So thanks again so much, Zach, for, yeah, for, for speaking me, and sharing your, sharing your story. Absolutely. As always, thanks for watching. If you haven't already and you're able to, please consider joining as a member here on YouTube. It's $2 a month, and it helps us work towards sustainability. You can also join on Patreon. Those links are in the description, as well as links to a bunch of other fun things, so be sure to check those out.